Want to be a part of the conversation? Then let us know on the TNT Radio interactive live chat room at tntradio.live. Lighting the fuse for freedom. Today's news talk, TNT Radio. Unleashing the Beast. Mark Morano is unleashed on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. News alert. Stop drinking coffee to save the planet. This is meteorologist Brian Sussman with the facts. Clip two. Did you know you can greatly reduce your carbon footprint by quitting coffee? Coffee's wonderful fragrance and taste are the result of the roasting process. As the beans are heated, they emit carbon dioxide, CO2. It's that burst of CO2 from the beans that gives your coffee flavor. Additional CO2 is emitted during the brewing process. But they say carbon dioxide is a dangerous greenhouse gas that artificially warms the atmosphere, causing global warming and climate change. Worldwide, over 2 billion cups of coffee are consumed daily. Additionally, milk added to a coffee beverage also harms the planet as milk comes from cows that flatulate, emitting another dangerous greenhouse gas, methane. We're all doing our part to stop big oil. It's time to address big coffee. Halting your coffee intake will help reduce the amount of unnecessary carbon dioxide spewed into the atmosphere. This sacrifice won't be easy. If you need help, there are plenty of 12-step groups available for coffee addiction. In our next announcement, we will discuss effective ways to further reduce your carbon footprint by breathing less. That was uh, meteorologist Brian Sussman. He'll be joining us uh, after the break later in the program. First of all, this is Mark Morano. This is Unleashed on TNT. Uh, My apologies if I didn't say that because I had to get you that breaking news. What you just saw of Brian Sussman, the meteorologist, was a spoof, was satire. He released this. I retweeted it. On social media, people think it's real. That's how wacky, that's how insane the climate actual movement has become that you can do a silly spoof satire like that and people think you're serious. Uh, and, and it's amazing because he actually referenced ways to reduce breathing at the end. Well, remember, we had a peer-reviewed study in December 2023 saying we needed to breathe less and we needed that our breath contained warming agents and that Africans warm the earth more than Asians and that women warm the earth more than men incredible stuff. So Brian Sussman, who was a big part of our 2016 film, Climate Hustle, uh, will be on. He's a meteorologist, former meteorologist. He's a talk show host in San Francisco, written great books about the uh, climate gate and climate change uh, on all the UN scandals. He'll be joining us, and I think you're going to have a lot of fun with him. So on that same vein, I had a couple news up. The other big news update right now, your gas car, your meat, They've been coming for it. First, they came for the car, then your meat. Now, your houseplants. Not making this up. The Washington Post. Indoor houseplants. This is the headline. Indoor houseplants come with a cost to the planet. And the article goes on to say, trucks that transport plant spew carbon emissions and synthetic fertilizers are made from, wait for it, petroleum, unquote. That's what the Washington Post deemed a newsworthy article. And I have the screenshot. If you go to my website, Climate Depot, you'll be able to see this. Indoor plants. Remember, they've come after pets. They've come after appliances. They've come after heating and air conditioning. They've come after your clothing. They've come. You can go on and on. They've come after wood-fired pizza ovens. They've come after 
you know, the, how many children you have. They've come after your airline flights. They come after your freedom of movement. They come after your meat eating. They come after uh, for, trying to force you to eat bugs. Here's the Washington Post, though, on why you, if you care, if you were a concerned citizen, remember, you're a grandma killer if you have houseplants. How? Because unchecked climate change, which by getting houseplants and having them trucked and using you know, uh, fertilizer, is creating more global warming. More global warming creates more COVID-like viruses, more COVID-like viruses kill grandma. It's just, it's the science. Do you understand me? Remember yesterday when I showed you the clip of the Pfizer uh, executive saying they didn't have time to check the COVID vaccines against, uh, for whether they allowed transmission or stopped the spread. They were working at the speed of science. In other words, half-assed rush job that that no one should trust the results or the product. Anyway, the Washington Post, house plants cause global warming. Here's their logic and here's their actual quotes. Everything I'm reading here is from the Washington Post. I ain't lying, as Rudy Ray Moore, the comedian, used to say. Greening indoor spaces can come at an environmental cost. The trucks that transport spew carbon emission, plastic plot, pots, synthetic fertilizers are made from petroleum, and the harvesting of soil components like peat can tear up slow-forming habitats. You know, you shouldn't even be using dirt. If you disturb the dirt on the earth, you're releasing carbon and you're destroying the planet. A lot of major nursery suppliers are located in Florida and California. Susan Pell, the director of the United States Botanic Garden in Washington, D.C. So this is a federal employee telling us this stuff. Depending on where you live, that can be a long way for these plastic, these, these yeah, sorry, home house plants to travel in the back of a truck. And a lot of carbon is emitted along the way. And then, of course, you need sustainable soils, and they don't like the soils that go into house plants. So you're doing it all wrong. It's unsustainable. And, of course, the director of the U.S. Botanic Garden in Washington, D.C., a federal employee on taxpayer dollars, says, has a few tips for minimizing environmental harms of indoor gardening. They recommend cutting down on petroleum-based fertilizers, which create carbon emissions during their production. So there you have it, carbon production. CO2, which I don't even like to say carbon, carbon, I always say carbon dioxide because carbon dioxide is the food of life. Carbon can be black carbon soot and that can be uh, you know, a pollutant and that's not what we're talking about when they talk about carbon pollution. So uh, that's, you know, anyway, okay. The other thing, now that was the Washington Post. This is still the Washington Post. And I, I wish I could be saying this as a spoof, but it's not. And we may ask Brian Sussman about this when he joins us. As Alaska gets wetter, snowstorms put the homeless in Alaska in peril. This is actual headline, Washington Post. I believe it was a front page. If not, it, it was an article from December, which they had online, which they then ran just this week, I believe on the front page of the paper. Uh, so here it is. This is how the Washington Post mixes in Global global warm snow, which is supposed to be a thing of the past, but now global warming is causing more snow. And guess what? Global warming is is harming disproportionately the homeless. And that reminds me, I think it was Kentucky Fried Movie. I've been looking for this clip. I've been not able to find it. But they said like nuclear war. Russians launched. This is from 1979. It's a um, Abrams Zucker Abrams movie. The same people that brought you Naked Gun, Police Squad, and the movie Airplane did a movie called Kentucky Fried Movie. And they had these just, it was just a whole series of like a Monty Python skit movie. 
And one of them was a newscast, like the old local news, Russians launch nuclear attack. Women and children and minorities hurt the most. Yeah, news at 11. And that's basically what the Washington Post is reduced to here, is any bad thing that happens affects the identity politics groups, which is how they end up getting into it. Okay, so here's what they say. Near the end of the snowiest record for Alaska's largest city, Anchorage, Larry Tunley took a plastic box tied to an old boogie board. So right now, Alaska is having one of the snowiest years on record. Point one. Wait a minute. This, this Just this week, New York Times had called for the end of snow, basically repeating the exact same story they had from 2015. 20 years ago, UN scientists said that uh, snow is a thing of the past. Children won't know what snow is. They had talked about this whole thing about the homeless camps, and they're saying that the hardy souls accustomed to enduring Alaskan winters have been tested by the onslaught of extreme precipitation. Hmm. They're not talking rain. What kind of precipitation would there be in Alaska? Part of a pattern. They're talking about record snow, record cold. But here they call it extreme participation because to say that global warming is causing snow, I don't even think the Washington Post is ready to say that cleanly. They have to dance around it. So global warming is causing extreme precipitation, precipitation in areas that get below 32 degrees. Hmm, what kind of, what is that? Is that that white stuff? What's that called? Oh, snow! That's the extreme precipitation. Okay. Climate scientists predict uh, will worsen. Extreme precipitation is what climate scientists predict will worsen as the atmosphere warms. Hmm. We're getting more snow, record cold, and the atmosphere is warming. I know. There's a whole atmospheric theory on this, so it's not anything shocking. And no, it's legitimate, the idea to talk like that based on their climate models that try to claim that. But over the past years, storms starting in warmer than normal waters have hit Anchorage with rain and snow on a scale that has little precedent in the state's history. Last year was the wettest on record. Keep in mind, they're still saying wettest when they're trying to say the word snow, but they're not, you know, snow is wet. So they're just trying to dance around that. The downpour in both the form of rain and snow. Oh, it's a downpour of snow. How often do you ever say, oh, it's what's going on outside? Well, it's a downpour out there. Oh, is it raining? No, it's snowing. Uh oh, downpour? Uh, again, the language here, they're just, the reporter is dancing, 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 dancing. Every sentence is a dance to try to avoid saying outright, the global warming causes more snow. That's really what this is about. The downpour in both the form of snow and row, is, uh, both the form of snow and rain, is in line with trends facing Alaska and other Norman, northern regions in the warming world. So anyway, it goes on and then it talks all about the, the, the climate models predicted this. Uh, it, the climate models are unanimous in increasing annual precipitation. First of all, climate models are an absolute joke. UN scientist Jim Renwick 15, 20 years ago said they don't account for half the variability in nature. We don't expect them to do well. Kevin Trenbeth, a UN climate scientist here in the United States, has said they're not predictions. They're merely emission scenarios. In other words, if you want a model to say something, you just put in the right inputs and you get it to say what it says. I watched a debate between Vivek Ramaswamy and Congressman Ro Khanna from California yesterday on C-SPAN. Yeah, that's what I do for fun. Okay, I watched this. And climate change was one of the topics. And I thought Vivek Ramaswamy is fantastic on it. He doesn't push back though on the scientific claims. Uh, yeah, again, but I'm not gonna, I'm not even gonna ding him a point for that because he's got so much going on and he's so great on the policies and calling it all the climate change uh, agendas, a hoax and all that. But Ro Khanna said, 
oh, we are getting X, Y, Z, extreme weather. None of it's true because on a global scale, even the UN National Climate Assessment, we're not getting more extreme weather. And so what happens here is he was claiming that the climate model, he actually said the climate models, maybe I can find the clip tomorrow. Ro Khanna, Congressman, Democrat from California, said the climate models prove that climate change is happening, blah, blah, blah basically using a model to prove reality. And the fact of the matter is a model is just a, a, a unverified prediction of the future. I have a whole chapter in my book, Politically Incorrect Guide to Climate Change on this, where you have scientists saying these are just like Sony PlayStation video games when you come up with this stuff. If when current reality fails to alarm, make scarier and scarier predictions of the future. And when current reality uh, when you don't have any data to back up your claim, use model data. Like this has happened in Antarctica. Well, we couldn't actually measure the ice, but our models indicate that the ice is is radically declining. I'm sorry, what? This is what they do. So back to the Washington Post. Climate models are basically unanimous that in, that in increasing annual precipitation is going to occur. And, the, and the, really the big story is increasing extreme participation in places like Alaska. So now after we're told that snow was a thing of the past, children won't know what snow is, the end of snow, suddenly we're getting downpours of the of something called extreme precipitation in cold climates. Hmm, downpour, extreme, cold climate. Oh wait, they're trying to say we're getting heavy snow, blizzards, record snow and record cold in Alaska. And they have to explain it somehow. Now, they could just ignore it as what they've typically done. But hey, this is a great challenge. And you know how they don't have to ignore it? Because the climate models prove it. So that's the, that's the silliness that we're dealing with here. I, I don't know what else to tell you. It's, it's, it's so crazy, the world in which we live in right now. Um, okay, I had some other breaking news. Rebel News reporter David Menzies, who I've met, I've interviewed, uh, he's interviewed me. He's for the Rebel News in Canada, Ezra Levant show, which I like to go on his show regularly. I've been working with Ezra since 2014, and he actually hosted two of my film screenings up in Canada, in Toronto and Edmonton and other areas. Uh, his chief reporter, David Menzies, was arrested for asking a Canadian official, Christia Freeland, questions. And I want you to watch this video. This is how they got him on the arrest. They're claiming it's physical assault. Let's play clip one of the Rebel News reporter and the big heavy hand of Justin Trudeau's police state. Ms. Freeland, how come the IRDC is not a terrorist group? Why is your government supporting Islamo that was david benzie now the reason they're claiming it was assault he never touched the canadian official at all uh, the woman christia freeland but when the security guard cut him off and walked in front of him, apparently he bumped into the security guard because the guy cut off his path while he was walking. That is assault. 
That is the way they're shutting down free speech. Remember, this is the same Justin Trudeau government that called the Canadian truckers, first time in Canadian history. The Emergencies Act declared them domestic terrorists, cut, canceled their insurance, canceled their own access to their own bank accounts through government corporate collusion. He picked up the phone, called the insurance companies, called the trucking agencies, called the banks, and just had them persona non grata. They were considered terrorists. This is the world in which we live. Um, I'm now, this is, before we go to the break, I have a couple other clips, but they're on climate, so I'm going to save them for when Brian Sussman comes. But this next clip is nationally syndicated host Dan Mangino, former Fox News host, which I used to be a regular on his show, featured me on his nationally syndicated radio show, which is also video, kind of like this show. I thought I'd have some fun and show you this. This is me talking about what you just saw, that clip there, the idea of a police state, the whole once Western free world acting like uh, one party ruled China. Let's play clip four now. Ban Jan Mangino uh, introducing a clip of me talking about the Great Reset. This is where they're going. COVID is going to be the vehicle for all of it. I'm going to play this video right here. A brilliant guy, Mark Morano. He analyzes climate craziness. He has a book uh, analyzing the Great Reset and what they're really looking to do. This police state they're planning for using COVID as the vehicle. That's why the hysteria is back. Nobody analyzes it better than him. All right. So this is the video I was talking about. This is Mark Morano. He is a fantastic analyst of what's going on with the Great Reset. He has a book out about it. Here he is talking about how their election plan, their COVID plan, their police state plan, the COVID anxiety and the COVID fear they want to induce with the masking and all this other stuff is the key to all of this stuff. This is a great cut. Listen to this. Check this out. But you mentioned something important, Dr. Drew, is the fear. In the book, I quote a BBC historian that goes back to the Roman Empire that sent into the Roman Republic through the Middle Ages. They used emergency powers. In other words, crisis. We need to we need to seize power. We need to have no dissent because we're facing a crisis. So through the Middle Ages, through the Germany, 1930s, think back to 9-11 when we had, and we're still living under that, by the way, that, that George W. Bush, 9-11, essentially terrorist emergency gets extended by every president. Joe Biden just extended it. That, of course, brought on domestic surveillance of U.S. citizens, which later you know, would be Parents would be considered domestic terrorists by the Justice Department. All that's a legacy of the 9-11 Emergency Powers Act. Then you had the COVID um, declaration of emergency, which just ended only because the Republican Congress forced Biden's hand and a few Democrats. That just ended in March of this year. Years of that. And what do they want to do next? Using this fear, Joe Biden is being urged by AOC, by Senator Markey, by Senator Schumer in New York to declare a national climate emergency. Again, this is similar to the COVID, similar to the 9-11 type emergencies. And Biden, the Center for Biological Diversity estimated last summer that this would give Biden 130 new executive powers, but not just Biden, mayors, governors, they would have the power potentially to say there's a climate emergency. We're going to have gas station, odd, even days. We're going to limit car travel. We're going to shut off you know, travel in the city. We need to put in a higher gas tax. We don't need the legislator because we're operating under the emergency. We have 130 new executive powers. And that, I appreciate Dan Bongino featuring that. That was when I was on the Dr. Drew show recently, explaining that out about 
what the great reset is. And I always say the same one sentence. It's the once free West emulating one party authoritarian rule China. That's the great reset. That's the purpose of it. That's what March of 2020 was all about. The most consequential restrictions on your life, church closures, school closures, uh, the, all the mandates, canceling weddings, funerals, medical procedures, uh, et cetera, all done without an ounce of democracy. It was done for our own good by our betters. And that is what exactly what the ruling class has described China as, you know, the, uh, an enlightened people who are making good decisions without the messiness of democracy. That's what the, the words of Tom Friedman on the pages of the New York Times. All right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to be joined by meteorologist Brian Sussman, talk show host, and we're going to ask him, was he serious when he was calling for a ban on coffee uh, and cutting back our coffee and breathing? Surely he was joking, but it's kind of hard to tell these days. This is Unleashed with Mark Morano. We'll be right back after these messages. TNT Radio's Steve Malzberg. 13 Israeli hostages released uh, as part of that ceasefire deal uh, 49 days after they were taken hostage. 49 days. So that still leaves about 225 to 227 more hostages. Uh, I'm with John Bolton, the former national security advisor to Donald Trump. I'm with Britt Hume of, uh, of Fox News. I'm with a bunch of other people who say this gives Hamas too much time to do whatever they want to do, to do whatever they need to do, to regroup, to rearm, to re-strategize. And as much as you want the hostages back, it can't be at the expense of the other part of the mission, which is to destroy Hamas. So I think it's a mistake. Steve Malzberg on TNT Radio. Right now, the forgotten poor are waiting for healing and care, for life-saving medical care, for a chance to live with dignity and hope. They are waiting for Mercy Ships and you. Mercy Ships is the largest floating civilian hospital in the world with volunteer medical staff and crew who donate their time to save lives. And now, as our newest state-of-the-art hospital ship sets sail, Mercy Ships will double our ability to reach children and adults who need us now. Without the work of Mercy Ships, these patients don't have another option. Mercy Ships is answering the call to serve suffering people who have nowhere else to turn. Together, we are going to some of the world's most desperate places and bringing a wave of hope and healing to those who need it most. To learn more about this wave of hope, go to mercyships.org today. The thing that drives me every day as a dad is him. Every day he's hungry for something. And there's this huge responsibility in making sure that he's a good person. I think the advice I would give is you don't need to know all the answers. It's okay to make mistakes as long as it's coming from love then it kind of starts to work itself out. Today's News Talk Radio. Now we're talking. TNT. Welcome back to Unleashed with Mark Morano on TNT. All right, we're joined now by Brian Sussman. I guess you, you, I don't know if you're currently a meteorologist or former or recovering meteorologist, whatever you'd like to, but he's the author <laughs> of Eco-Tyranny, How the Left's Green Agenda Will Dismantle America. And also his book, Climate Gate, a veteran meteorologist exposes the global warming scam. And I remember that book. That was right after 
2010, right after the ClimateGate scandal broke, and I think it broke in November 2009, right before the Copenhagen conference. Well, welcome to the program, Brian. Mark, the man, the climate cult leaders do not <laughs> dare debate. It is great to be with you. Well, great. Thank you. And I was just telling everyone what a big part you were of the Climate Hustle film we did. We flew up to San Francisco to interview you, and you were fantastic. We had you in the whole global, global warming agenda part of the film, uh, and you had some of the funniest lines and the greatest uh, sound bites of anyone and greatest analysis of that. So thank you for that. Well, you know, it's amazing because seriously, a couple times a month, someone will just stop me and say, hey, I saw that movie Climate Hustle. So, I mean, people are still watching the film and you were in it. And I'm saying, yes, I was in it. It was awesome. But uh, that that film got a lot of mileage. And I think it turned a lot of people's heads, Mark. It did. That was 2016. We had the Paris premiere where the police had to shut down our premiere for three hours while they had to clear away all the, pro all the, the, the climate protesters who were upset. They had wanted pictures of me. But what's interesting is you mentioned the reason that's happening is Newsmax TV has bought the rights and they have been airing it all now. And last year, this year, it's been airing regularly on Newsmax TV. And I think they're gonna oh, even okay. air our sequel. So that's why it's getting a whole new life outside Got of it. theatrical and on demand, so. <laughs> okay, wait, speaking of theatrical, I loved what you did in Dubai. You had the big climate change protest. I saw that. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we had a lot of fun with that, stopping the bus and we got the cab drivers to work with us on that. And uh, yeah, it's kind of hard. We had, we had to work around the authority authoritarian government uh, of the uh, United Arab Emirates. We didn't want to risk arrest for there for, you know, and spend the night in jail there. But uh, thank you. I appreciate that. All right. Well, tell us, uh, first of all, what's your background in climate? Like I know you used to be a meteorologist. Your brother's a meteorologist. He used to visit me when I worked in the U.S. Senate Environment Public Works Committee for Senator James Inhofe uh, right. years ago. How's your brother doing? And how are you? How are you what's your background in meteorology? Brother Brad followed my footsteps. He uh, became a TV meteorologist and we had both wonderful careers in local television. I left TV in 2001 because I really wanted to try the uh, the waters of talk, talk radio. I thought this has got to be the most challenging thing in the world. Talking about the weather on TV and being a science reporter was great, but I thought, man, if you really want to have impact, you got to go on the radio. And so it was a radio station in San Francisco. I mean, I interviewed you so many times on KSFO in San yeah. Francisco, first conservative station in, the, in America, in San Francisco of all places. And they gave me an opportunity. They really took a chance. And it wound up to be a 20-year gig. I mean, I had so much fun doing wow. it. And that helped me launch, of course, ClimateGate and helped me launch Eco-Tyranny. And then just helped me make so many connections with, with people like you you know, there are so many foot soldiers in this battle, Mark, as you know, and we all have a voice and we all have a little niche. But more importantly are all the people that that watch your show and go to Climate Depot and read our books, because these are the foot soldiers that we really need who are making a difference, trying to sway minds within their neighborhood and within their families, et cetera, because so many people are locked into what I'm calling the climate cult, and we got to break them free. Yeah. So how? I mean, when when you when your when Climate Gate came out, when our first move, my first my 2016, when we interviewed you for the Climate Hustle movie, the climate debate when Al Gore's film came out, I always I say the climate debate was so different. We actually did talk about ice melting or polar bears. We actually talked about carbon taxes. We actually talked about cap and trade. We actually talked about sea level rise. But now 
the whole debate has just turned insane. The solutions are, you know, banning gas-powered cars, banning meat-eating, limiting airlines. CNN's proposing carbon passports to limit our travel that the government would monitor and you hit your max, you can't travel anymore. This is on CNN. It's not like a Greenpeace blogger, you know, writing this in the middle of the night. I mean, this is mainstream. And then, of course, you have the ways they measure climate change. It's kind of like silly now, like they'll... They, they, you know, there was a study one time on the number of redheaded people and what contributes <laughs> to global warming. We saw the Washington Post. I opened the show talking about house plants contributing to global warming because of the trucks that required to transport them and the and the. So, I mean, they've really just gotten so wacky with this. Not only this, the way to monitor it, you can look at rapes, car car thefts, and uh, vehicle uh, and and home break-ins. That's the new metric. Crimes going up. That's the way they measure global warming. And of course, all the solutions now are basically for us to go nowhere and be happy. How did that happen? I mean, my theory is it happened shortly after Trump got elected because the collectively the academia media all decided we can never allow someone like this to be elected again. And climate is a big part of it. So they just started censoring and shutting down everything and redefining all the terms. But what's your theory on why the climate debate has gone from a relatively normal, if you look back as quaint, sure. Al Gore's film, it was a normal movie. But now yeah. it would all be about, you know, the Washington Post this week, article about global warming causing record cold and snow in Alaska and how it's harming disproportionately the homeless in Alaska. That's the climate debate today. <laughs> this is a great delusion that swept not just America, but the world. And, and you know, my my niche has always been, there are some wonderful people like yourself and, and so many great meteorologists, scientists, researchers who de debunk global warming. I try to get to the heart of it. What's at the root of all of this? And the root clearly is, this is a Marxist agenda. They've, they've discovered the climate as their best weapon to hammer life, liberty, and the pursuit of property. And what I prove in this upcoming book, Climate Cult, which will be available end of February, and I'll let you know when it's available for pre-order. But the sure. bottom line is, this is something that Frederick Engels, Marx's writing partner, actually theorized. He thought we could use the environment. He didn't use those terms. He used nature. He said we could use the nature, nature as a hammer against capitalism. And then there were further disciples of, of Karl Marx who started moving this ball forward for a guy, a guy named Justice von Liebig, for example. He was a direct disciple. He was a student of Karl Marx. The first environmental crisis was the use of guano, a fertilizer, in England. And Justice von Liebig said, we're using guano as a fertilizer, and look what's happening. Cows and livestock are growing faster. The plants are growing faster and there's more plant and food available for the people. The families are getting bigger and with bigger families, they need bigger houses. He called it a robbery system. <laughs> and then further down the line, another disciple of Karl Marx coined the term ecology. He thought we can use ecology as a weapon to go against capitalism. So. This is a great delusion, and it's furthered by indoctrination in our schools. It's media mouthpieces who you're battling every day at Climate Depot, as well as just junk science. This is how they're putting forward this, this delusion, Mark. It seems like their number one goal is to ration everything. And what I mean by everything is economic growth. They want to ration food. They want to ration freedom of movement. They want to ration energy. So explain to us, like, so I guess Marxism, essentially, that philosophy works better 
with depre- with de- people deprived of stuff so that they, then you have to essentially have a small group of people managing all the resources for our own good essentially it, develop that a little further why do we why does everything have to be limited and rationed in this marxist worldview well because life liberty pursuit of happiness pursuit of happiness according to john locke the great english philosopher that the founders of america used to put together our bill of rights our constitution John Locke said the pursuit of happiness is actually property ownership. Property ownership, both physical and also intellectual. Karl Marx said the number one goal of communism or socialism, he used the words interchangeably, communism, socialism, number one goal is the abolition of private property. They want to reduce our property rights because they really believe something that Marx contended. Marx said people like us are the lesser-minded. We're the lesser-minded individuals. And as such, we need to be properly controlled. Otherwise, left to our own devices, we will destroy the planet and kill one another. Therefore, we need to have a heavy-handed government ruling us at all times. So yes, this is why they, they take away our rights. They're trying to ration. They're trying to squeeze us into compliance. Uh, and of course, they've had some test runs. I think the masks would probably be the big test run. Let's see how many people will fall for this. Let's see how many people will go along with yeah. this. Now we've got people, you know, you've got an entire generation, younger millennials, Gen Z, Gen Xers. They want to reduce their carbon footprint. If they're going to drive, they're going to buy an electric vehicle. They've been indoctrinated to believe that less is more. And once I think once they finally discover the truth, the scales fall off their eyes and realize, man, was I duped. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it, it, yeah, let's hope that these kids sort of grow up like the way the hippies in the 60s grew up. And, you know, because a lot of them, you know, from David Horowitz on, many of them converted. I'm thinking as kids, this whole generation of the young kids, as they age and hit around 30, they have to know they've been conned. So why do you call it the cult? Your new book is called The Climate Cult. How does it go from Marxism to a cult or is Marxism a cult? I guess it's an economic cult, but what, how did it become a cult? Is it religious-like? How do you describe the climate this is, phenomenon? This is today? great. Yeah, this is a great question because it sounds kind of, you know, you're, you're, trying to, you're trying to draw attention to your book, Climate Cult, but really it is a cult. It has all the markings of a cult. There are scare tactics used. We're told on a regular basis that the earth is going to be ending unless we get climate change under control. So there are scare tax t- tactics. There's virtue. You know, you can you can reduce your carbon footprint by buying carbon offsets or reducing yeah. your personal carbon footprint or stop eating meat or stop driving altogether. So there's, there's signs of virtue. So scare tactics, signs of virtue, heavy duty indoctrination. I mean, you can't get away from the indoctrination that we see every day in our schools through the mainstream media. But on top of that, there's great reward. Because when you really drill down through the climate agenda, it's essentially promoting something called social justice, which has nothing to do with justice, and social equity, which has nothing to do with equality or equity as we know it. They're really envisioning, and this comes from Klaus Schwab at the World Economic Forum, they're envisioning a utopia. So there are promises of this better world, a better life, where you'll own nothing, as somebody at the WEF once said, you'll own nothing and you'll be happy. So we have all the markings of a cult and people have been drawn in and they've been duped. And they honestly believe now that this weak hypothesis of global warming is indeed fact. I mean, that's how it's put forward every day in the media. 
But Mark, I just, I have one, I, I know you're familiar with this. You've got a mind like a steel trap, but others who are watching may not know this. For every 62,000 molecules in the atmosphere, for every 62,000, one is a carbon dioxide molecule caused by humankind. One out of 62,000. That's it. There's no crisis. This is a sham. So we got to wake <laughs> people up. Well, let's go back. Well, you said Karl Marx wants to abolish private property, and then you referenced the WEF saying, you'll own nothing and be happy. Now, when they say that, they don't mean there'll be no private property. They just mean you won't own anything. Someone else will own it. And we see what's right. happening, for instance, American oh, Farmland. Yeah. NBC News reported Bill Gates, number one farmland owner. Jeff Bezos, did you know that? The other billionaire is very close behind uh, Bill Gates. Also, China is very close in terms of the single largest. They're not, they don't have a monopoly on the farmland, but in terms of the single largest owners of U.S. farmland, it's those are one of the top three. Is uh, China? It's really fascinating. Yeah. But here's what confuses a lot of people when we talk, especially about the climate agenda. You know, the media will call Bill Gates a capitalist. They'll call the World Economic Forum Klaus Schwab. They'll say this is that you know the capitalist organization because in a sense, if you grew up, you you think well, these are all the big corporations. These are the businessmen. This is the capitalist organization. They want economic growth. They want to have everything great. And it, it turns out that it's not. It's a sort of different. I guess that you could call it a technocracy. But in essence. When they're talking about owning nothing, everything you want will be delivered by drone. And you know, how what how did we get subjected to this agenda? Because what I always say too is everything changed in the climate agenda, the climate debate, March of 2020. Because yes. once they realized that they didn't need to go through Congress to pass a Green New Deal, they didn't need to have you know town halls and public opinion. They could just impose this, which is the whole idea of these Biden. Uh, and uh, I showed the clip earlier of Biden. Uh, the climate emergency gives them 130 executive powers. NBC News reported it would give them the same type of powers as COVID. Where do we go uh, in terms of how do you fight that agenda? Because it looks like the people pushing this are big free market capitalists. I mean, these are Bill Gates. These are big, big businessmen. I thought they were yeah. for America, for economic growth. They were anti-Marxist. So how do you fit all that into this uh, whole agenda of the WEF? Yeah, there have always been throughout history, there have always been very wealthy people who think they know more than everybody else. And they look down upon us as Karl Marx did, as the lesser minded, and they believe we need to yes. be controlled. So that's what we have now. It's it's green capitalism. I, I, I look at all of these ridiculous programs that are coming out of Washington, D.C., encouraging us to go into renewables, solar and wind and electric vehicles. You know, it's just like with Solyndra and what we saw in the Silicon Valley where I'm located with so many of these these new technologies. It's the first investors, the first investors that come out mil with multi millions of dollars, the first investors. And then it's the ones that came in later that ended up losing everything. I'm thinking of, for example, Solyndra. So these wealthy yeah. investors come in. They get free money from the government in terms of subsidies, and they're able to make loads of capital. I really and truly believe that this green agenda, this green new deal is a new deal for the wealthiest people in the world who will always, of course, vote for that team and who see themselves as being on top of the heap, very, very arrogant, very, very elitist. And they see us as a bunch of nothing, lesser minded individuals that, again, just need to be controlled. So I think that's the big disconnect that people need to understand. Well, yeah, in, in, in the 1930s, Stuart Chase, who was the socialist economic advisor to, to 
FDR, actually proposed a primitive Great Reset World Economic Forum. He wanted state control of agriculture, transportation, propaganda is what they called communication, uh, and energy. So it's incredible. These ideas have been around. And of course, Woodrow Wilson, they proposed the idea of the administrative state, which is exactly what you're describing. The idea yes. is that we can't, we we had to let, it's called expertocracy, where, you know, you can't decide whether to mask your five-year-old at school for eight hours. A guy with a PhD and 30 years government experience will decide that. You have no qualifications. You're not an epidemiologist. Same thing we hear in the climate debate. You're not a climatologist. Okay. This is Unleashed with Mark Moran. When we come back, Brian, I want to play your coffee restriction clip and talk about the study about breathing as well. Good. And then I want to play you, our, I'll, I'll show you a clip too of our uh, Biden administration claiming that the uh, illegal immigration is being fueled by climate change and get your thoughts on that since you're a, a native of California. So this is Unleashed with Mark Morano. We'll be right back with meteorologist Brian Sussman right after this. As a combat wounded veteran, I know how hard it is to come home and build a meaningful life. When I was in Iraq, our vehicle was hit. A rocket-propelled grenade exploded right under my seat. Traumatic brain injury, a fractured pelvis, severe burns. They didn't think I was gonna make it. I had to learn to walk again and live with the scars, both visible and invisible. DAV helps veterans like LaToya get the benefits they've earned. They help more than a million veterans every year in life-changing ways. With DAV on my side, I was able to pursue my dreams. If my story can touch a heart, it can change a life. My victory is overcoming my wounds so I can help other veterans. LaToya Lucas, may your victories inspire many more. Support more victories for veterans. Go to DAV.org. I didn't ask to be thrown in the streets with nowhere to go. I didn't think I'd survive. But I did ask for help, and Covenant House was there for me. One in 10 young adults will experience a form of homelessness this year. For these kids who didn't ask to be put in this unthinkable situation, Covenant House is there. Covenant House helped me break the cycle of homelessness in my family. They gave me the love that I needed. Over 2,000 young people will sleep safely in a Covenant House bed tonight. When youth who are experiencing homelessness have a hot meal, a safe place to sleep, medical care, and love. They can overcome heartbreaking challenges and have a brighter future. They just really genuinely just wanted to help me succeed, and I'm succeeding. I'm a, I'm a speaker, I'm an author. Covenant House really helped me and really helped mold me into the woman I am today. If you or someone you love is asking for help, go to safeplacetosleep.org today. From economics to the woke agenda, this is Unleashed with Mark Morano on today's News Talk, TNT Radio. Welcome back to Unleashed. We're talking with Brian Sussman, meteorologist and author of the book, Climate Gate. Also a new book coming out called Climate Cult. What's the subtitle of Climate Cult, Brian? Climate Cult, Exposing and Defeating Their Agenda to, excuse me, Climate Cult, Exposing and, and Defeating their war on life, liberty, and property. Okay, great. Uh, one question now, I was in Dubai, and right before Dubai, 200 medical journals. Dubai was a UN climate summit in, uh, and uh, Middle East, for anyone not, for listeners out there not aware of that. But they 200 medical journals, led by the British Medical Journal, declared and urged the World Health Organization and the UN to declare climate change a public health threat subject to public health 
mandates. And on the same token, the, the World Health Organization is now pushing a pandemic treaty, which the Biden administration is trying to push us into, where you're going to have the World Health uh, Organization scientists can declare global instant pandemic and global instant lockdown, stay at home orders. What are your thoughts on climate change being a public health threat and part of, as the Harvard School of Medicine has actually said, unchecked climate change leads to more global warming? What are your thoughts on that as a meteorologist? When you don't have a moral spine, when you don't have a moral backbone, when you don't believe in, for example, the Ten Commandments, it's easy to lie. It's easy to make things up because the end justifies the means. So garbage in, garbage out. They come out with some junk science and they make these proclamations because they have an agenda. And their agenda is for a major reset of not just the economy, but governments at large. Because again, they believe that they're smarter than all the rest of us and all the rest of us need to be controlled. This is a scenario that's played out in history time and time again. So again, they're, they're lying. They're making this stuff up. And because we have a younger generation, and with all due respect to the younger generation, I know that there are some very, very wonderful, bright minds, and they're on our team, and they're doing some great work. But by and large, we have a couple generations now that have been totally indoctrinated, and they no longer know how to think. They know what to think, but they don't know how to think. And therein lies the problem, Mark. Well, uh, there is a... I want to say Zimbabwe biologist who is a clip of, it was in some movie and, and, and he was explaining how he brings out young researchers out in the field in Africa. And he said, he shows them stuff that's contrary to what they've been taught in school. And even with their own eyes, they won't believe a reality, but because they saw some peer reviewed study, which they studied in academia claimed the opposite. And he was lamenting the fact that they it is a form of brainwashing, I guess, where it's like, you don't believe your eyes, you're gonna believe our programming. And of course the peer review process that we all know has been horribly corrupted. How do you resolve that? How do you fix it? How do you deprogram, since your book is called Climate Called, how do you deprogram a kid who from kindergarten through college has been told he's the last generation unless we change it? How do you deprogram kids who are, who are in lawsuits, an eight-year-old, uh, as well as a dozen other kids are suing your government, your, your, uh, in California, in your state, in federal district court, they're suing Biden's EPA for essentially the government not being Marxist enough to prevent uh, you know, climate change, thus endangering their future. How would you talk to that eight-year-old? How would you talk to the middle schoolers and the high school kids? How do you deprogram these kids who actually believe, like Greta, that, that there's no reason to go to school because they, no, they have no future? Yeah, they need psychological deliverance. There's no question about that. But it's interesting, when you do, when you do just present the facts, and you explain, for example, that CO2 is not a pollutant, right? Right off the bat, you get people, what, CO2 is not a pollutant? What? Yeah. No, CO2 is not a pollutant. It's, it's, actually, it's actually a beneficial, it's beneficial to life. Without it, we don't live. So once you start with that simple discussion, and then you get to the greenhouse effect, and you explain to them, without the greenhouse effect, we would have diurnal temperature variations, temperature variations between night and day of, a, of 100 degrees. And then you start to explain to them that there really have been warmer periods of, of time on planet Earth. When you just start going through the basics, I'll never forget, Mark, this was, this was a few years ago. I was speaking at UC Berkeley, University of California, Berkeley, very liberal uh, institution. 
I was in Sproul Hall, a big lecture hall. A political science professor said, I, I want you people to hear the other side of the climate debate. It was wonderful that he was able to do that. So here I am speaking before hundreds of kids. They got a little agitated in the beginning. He calmed them down. The rest of the speech went well. Afterward, I had probably a couple dozen kids out of several hundred coming up to the front. And they felt, once they heard everything I had to say, these are kids in college. I mean, you know, at least intellectually bright. Um, these, these 24 kids or so came up and said, they felt ripped off. It's like, I've been going to school now my whole life. Yeah. I've never heard of these, these things you're talking about. And it makes so much sense. They felt ripped off because they never heard the other side of the equation. Now, I don't know what happened to that, those 24 kids, but I just remember they were amazed. They never heard this stuff before. Somehow we have to have that kind of discussion. And, and as you know, Mark, when you want to go there, you're putting yourself on the line because it could mean a lot of blowback. It could mean a lot of criticism. It could mean protesters. It could mean getting escorted off of, off of campuses under police escort. That's happened to me. I know it's happened to you. But we need to be able to just go out there and speak the truth because the truth really will set people free. It will. Uh, but, you know, then, of course, you know, when you when I've, when I've talked to colleges, too, but one of the things you hear is, well, why do 97% of all scientists agree? Why do the boards of all these scientific groups uh, agree? You know, then they say you're a conspiracy theorist. How do you respond to that when you go speak and people challenge you in that way? Well, first, I try not to curse. <laughs> that statistic, that's, that statistic is so misleading. It's so lame brain. I mean, Mark, you look at, we, we know all these people. There are some wonderful, great meteorologists and atmospheric researchers who have thought and think that the whole thing's a scam. One of the guys is a gentleman who's endorsing my upcoming book, Climate Cult. You know him, Dr. Neil Frank. The guy was yes. director of the National Hurricane, Hurricane yeah. Center for 13 years. He was in charge of forecasting the biggest storms on Earth, and he says it's a hoax. Okay, you got to listen to people like this because there are lots and lots of them. Well, all right. Well, let me let me let's go. I have the video clip. Let's play clip two. This is meteorologist Brian Sussman telling us that we should cut down on coffee to save the planet. And we'll talk about this as well as breathing. Uh, take a look. Did you know you can greatly reduce your carbon footprint by quitting coffee? Coffee's wonderful fragrance and taste are the result of the roasting process. As the beans are heated, they emit carbon dioxide, CO2. It's that burst of CO2 from the beans that gives your coffee flavor. Additional CO2 is emitted during the brewing process. But they say carbon dioxide is a dangerous greenhouse gas that artificially warms the atmosphere, causing global warming and climate change. Worldwide, over 2 billion cups of coffee are consumed daily. Additionally, milk added to a coffee beverage also harms the planet as milk comes from cows that flatulate, emitting another dangerous greenhouse gas, methane. We're all doing our part to stop big oil. It's time to address big coffee. Halting your coffee intake will help reduce the amount of unnecessary carbon dioxide spewed into the atmosphere. This sacrifice won't be easy. If you need help, there are plenty of 12-step groups available for coffee addiction. In our next announcement, we will discuss effective ways to further reduce your carbon footprint by breathing less. Uh, I, I don't know what to tell you, but 
you know you've reached peak madness when you do an, a brilliant spoof like that. And frankly, over half the population could think you're dead serious. That's that's how insane. It's hard to parody them, but you did a great job. But I say most people still believe you're being serious. <laughs> you're right. That's how that's how dumb people are. I mean, really. <laughs> well, that was a total it's not spoof. That yeah, I mean, there's actually people saying stuff. I mean, the Washington Post is saying don't get house plants because the trucks have to have all these emissions when they deliver them to you and they require fertilizer, which is bad for the climate. I mean, so why not say limit your coffee? Yeah, because because really true. I mean, a coffee bean is just packed with CO2. None of that was <laughs> none of that was false information. Yeah. But again, people believed it to be true. But I just I love poking fun with these people because again, Mark, it just shows that some of these folks they they just don't know how to properly think. So I had a ball doing it. I especially liked the sound effects with the cows and their flatulence. Yes, that was great. It was really well done. Well, and then the end, you talk about breathing. Well, how, I, I, forgive people uh, for believing you're serious because there was a study in the journal PLOS in December saying that human breath contributes to warming because of our nitrogen oxide, because of our um, carbon, I believe it's carbon monoxide and carbon dioxide, if I got that right, the three <laughs> agents. And they said Africans warm the earth, breath warm the earth more than Asians and women warm the earth more than men with their breath, uh, which oh. I thought, wow, they really injected that. So yeah, so you can see how people, you, even you're joking about breath. Really, it turns out it's uh, you know it's actually in a peer-reviewed study. Yeah, first of all, shame on them for saying that about Africans and Asians. That is so racist, Mark. For starters, okay, <laughs> let's just start with that. But the other, <laughs> but the other part of it is, if breathing really is, you know, we're, we're as I as I'm speaking, CO2 is coming out of my mouth. I'm breathing in oxygen breathing out co2 so don't you think maybe we should at least for the sake of the planet people for the sake of the planet, we at least need to stop running marathons marathon people are just <laughs> expelling too much co2 in those marathons i mean maybe 12 k's maybe 10 k's something like that but we can't do marathons 26 miles mark that's just artificially expelling co2 in the atmosphere <laughs> Which, but I remember it was Mayor Garcetti during the height of COVID when they had the mask mandate was strictly enforced in Los Angeles. He met Magic Johnson without a mask and he said, it's OK, because I held my breath when I met him. So I didn't. And that's how he justified not wearing a mask, which I thought that's just that's peak the science trademark it's, the science. I, I have one last deep. clip. We're running out of time, but this is Secretary okay. Mayorkas so of the Biden administration blaming illegal immigration on what else but climate change. Play clip five. Border Patrol in the month of December processed more migrants entering the United States illegally than any month in the history of that agency. Why is that happening? What? How do you explain it? So we are seeing the greatest number of displaced people, not only at our southern border, not only in the Western Hemisphere, but across the globe. You know, I am involved in bilateral and multilateral meetings with my counterparts from foreign countries in Europe, uh, in Asia, in the Indo-Pacific, all over the world. And migration, the challenge of displaced people, is a subject that comes up in every single conversation. We have the effects of climate change. Okay, so this is the second time that Kamala Harris also blamed illegal immigration on climate change. And of course, Bill McKibben, 
blamed it on, uh, you know, said we want more immigrants so they'll vote out climate deniers. What's your thoughts? Climate and immigration, you have about 30 seconds. Sorry about that. Okay. Out of time. You know, they're, they're immigrating to California where I am. One of the best sure. climates in the entire world. So I guess they're coming here because it's too hot further south. Why don't they go to Chile? Pichi Limu, <laughs> Chile is exactly the same climate as, as California. Pichi Limu, Chile is exactly the same climate. It would be a lot easier to go to Pichi Limu why are the, why are they right. not going there? Because there are no handouts. They're coming All here right, for well, the handouts. They're coming here because they're going to get coddled. That's the not climate. Story. All right. Well, not thank climate. you, Brian Sussman. New book, Climate Cult. Check it out. Thank you for watching. It's Unleashed with Mark Morano.